everybody, Melissa McKenzie, the American Spectator publisher and also friend to Scott McKay, who is an editor at the American Spectator and also has his website, The Hayride and Survivor. If you'll notice, I have a different background. The reason is because it is so hot in Houston that my office, which has windows facing the West, cannot cool down. It is so hot in there, I had to change rooms because it'd be boiling. It's just ridiculous. I'm sure it's no better in Louisiana where you're at. No, it is not. No, it is not. It's been, my oldest just turned 26. And the year that he was born, 1997, and then the summer of 1998, had heat like this, where it was just, you open the door and you hit like this wall of oppression. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's been crazy. Anyway, so... Look, I mean, I I get up, I take a shower, then I go walk the dog, and I'm sweating so badly by the time I walk the dog that I got to go take another shower. Right. It's like, okay, stop taking a shower when you wake up in the morning. It's a waste of time. So that's summer. It's what you get. It's not global warming. It's El Nino. It's hot. It's late June, and it's always hot. So... Five degrees more so this year than maybe, you know, some other year, but it's not a big deal. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're so, I wouldn't have such equanimity about it if I didn't have air conditioning. I want to give props to whoever made Mr. Train or whoever made air conditioners and modernizing the world. Speaking of, and this is also tangential because it was not on our list of topics, but did you see that um, the commies in New York want to get rid rid of uh, oh, oven wood fired pizza ovens. I was like, the pizza is New York. New York is pizza. What are they doing? You know, it's I, it's at this point, it's it's not even that they're trying to do any good. At this point, they're just trying to make people miserable because they have it in their heads that miserable people are easier to govern. And I don't think that that's even true. I think miserable people are more unstable and are more prone to doing things that are antisocial, right? Um, you know what and they I mean, they're going to turn did. New York into a hellscape that can't be governed. Well, they probably did some research and found out that 95% of into, you know, family-owned pizza joints are Republican. <laughs> of course they did. Right? Of course they did. Absolutely. And, and so, like, then we're not going to piss off our core voters, but lefties have to eat too. So, you know, stop picking on the, um, you know, small business person. The the only ones left in New York. I mean, give me a break. How many people left during COVID? So, well, anyway. and this is the question: like, what, like, what? How do they want to heat a pizza? Because you're not allowed to have a ga- natural gas stove, right? Right. So, like, you can't use natural gas on, you know, heating a pizza. You can't use wood-fired ovens to heat up. Like, what is this? Right. You know, you you have you have to have a like what is it like you can attach a windmill to to an oven and do it that way. I don't know that I want wind-powered pizza. Wind-powered pizza, electric pizza. They want microwave every microwave pizza. Yeah, microwave pizza. That's it. That's it. You're going to microwave pizza, New York style microwave pizza. Oh my goodness. Can you with imagine? a cauliflower crust? That's what you get. Oh, right. 
Yep, there you go. We just hit on the solution for New York. Yeah. All, our, all our New York listeners, you know. Um, Give these people three years and everybody will live in Florida now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just crazy. All right. So speaking of crazy, uh, this last weekend, I got barely any sleep because I was watching with keen interest what was going on in Russia. Uh, and uh, the only conclusion that I came to after watching it, because there was like complete silence from the media, is and they get all of their news now from either the FBI or CIA or, you know, whoever, State Department, whoever's giving them their little, you know, tips and teasers and whatever and propaganda for the regime um, were utterly silent. And I was like, once again, the only thing that I do know is that our intelligence community doesn't know. And so Correct. it was uh, so silent. And I was like, oh, once again, while they're um, diversifying and making sure their ESG scores are good, right. U.S. intelligence has no freaking clue what's happening in Russia. But uh, Vladimir Putin clearly is still in charge, much to the chagrin of everybody involved. And what the other thing that came, you know, came to my mind through all of this is that everybody, especially the neocon types, were so excited about what was happening. And I'm like, why are you people so certain that what comes after Putin is better? Exactly. I'm like, what? I, is I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that what comes after Putin is worse. Yes. And so, I mean, like, and if you and if you're not certain of that, then what actually do you know about Russian history? Right. Because Russian history is a procession of things getting worse. Right. Like that's that's what Russian history is. It is a no. And then we thought this was bad, and then we got that, and it was right. much worse. Like that is what Russian history is. Um, and you could actually make the argument that Vladimir Putin was better than what had come before him. Um, and that and every choice the Russian people have had, whether to keep Putin or go with something else, the alternative has been worse. And that's not a defense of Putin. That's right. just an explanation right. of Russian history, because it always gets worse. <laughs> and if you're going to let a military coup take out Putin, um, I don't know if this the, 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 this guy, I can't remember his last name, is Prigozhev or something like that. Prigozhev. Prigozhev, yeah. Uh, the the, the, the Wagner guy who was a like a restaurateur who turns right. into a military warlord. And it's like, uh, OK, I mean, I you know, in Russia, you always end up a military warlord. So sure. Um, right. You know, like what? It, are you sure that this guy is better than Putin? Because he doesn't quite sound like that. Like their big thing that these guys do is, well, we go topple African regimes. Right. Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice resume for being a, in charge of Russia and having all the nukes and and uh, right. And so, like, none of that is good. And these idiots that run our deal, oh, we, we just get rid of Putin, and we're going to finally get to the point where Russia is going to become a Western country. It's like Russia's got the most backward economy of anybody we're talking about here. Right. Um, they can't compete as a Western country. That's why they're not one. Right. 
it would have made a lot more sense 30 years ago for Russia to convert uh, itself to a Western country, but they're not built like that. They don't have, I mean, Russia is basically a third world country with a right. not really a third world military, um, but not much more than that, and a whole bunch of nukes mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of oil. I mean, right. you know, otherwise it's a complete basket case. And to compete with the Britons and the Germanys and the Americas and even the French and even the Romanians and the Latvians, and so, they can't. Like they can't, they right. know they can't. That's why they don't want to be that way. Well, and that's um, why they are also freaked out about being isolated and not having access to various ports because what little um, power they do have would be taken away if that's taken away. I just read somewhere today. I, I'm just going to ask you a question. How many civilians do you think the Russians have killed in Ukraine? Do you know the number? I have a clue, but it's got to be six figures. Wrong. 800. What? There, yeah, there's 800. I was like, what? That can't. No, I don't Yes, know. that can't be real. And I was like, if this is true, the restraint, Russians are not known for their restraint. Yeah, well, right. And then, you know, the other thing is, is I, I mean, got missiles hitting, hitting apartment buildings and all this kind of stuff. And you see that the, the devastation of these cities, mm -hmm. I mean, unless some of that crap is AI or whatever, I mean, like well, if that stuff is AI. real, then there's no way you only killed 800 people. There's no way. But if all the people are who's, like, who's reporting it's only 800 people. I, I I'd have to go look again. It's, okay. uh, but it was some weird source. And I was like, but what he is doing from, a direct source that I know who's been over there a couple times um, is mining civilian areas so that when Russia retreats, they can't move back in. They can't move back in. Well, and that's so, your, your and my tax dollars are going to pay to demine those places. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is like what's going on, just generally speaking, doesn't. Uh, portend strength on the part of Russia. One of the other things that I've noted, there was some big uh, kind of very communist celebration like they have for the cameras in Moscow when I guess, um, I can't remember if it was, they were, and I don't know that any context was given, that they were excited that Putin was about to fall or they were excited because Putin's great, you know, depending, you, you know, your it was never made clear what this was about but the there's just so many women already russia has a huge demographic problem that they continue yeah. to make worse with this war they don't have enough men right. and and their population has dropped off a cliff yeah. so unless robots become ubiquitous and soon russia is in deep deep trouble forget all the young men that they're killing right now and this was right. really the first generation and typical russian stupidity but this is the first generation where alcoholism has not been the prevailing problem for young men the first right. one and now they are putting all of those guys into war right and vodka is going to be their best friend again and oh yeah 
Yeah, Munster's Warriors, it's, I mean, you know, it's a run on vodka and, you know, you'll probably have a potato famine in Russia because they drink all the potatoes instead of eating them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's just so like, but the, the, the disturbing part of this whole thing, I mean, it was fascinating to watch because it's like, wow, you know, the fact that somebody can even keep these secrets in this day and age you know, props to Putin in that way. You got to give the guy credit. He's got moxie. And he also seems to have, um, well, he is Russian, so he's going to be very cautious. But, you know, um, he seems to have a tighter grip than people realize. And, um, but on our side, the people who were openly, again, dismissing what would a, a nuclear problem, well, we could do use tactical nukes. Nukes. I'm like, what do you hear yourself? And and I was like, what makes you think that if Putin feels like a complete cornered rat, that his first instinct would be to nuke Ukraine, where he gets the fallout? Why wouldn't he go after what he perceives as the source of the problem? Exactly. And why are you so smug about this and thinking this is no right. big deal? I, no, I just am flabbergasted. Yeah, you and I have talked about this. Like, you know, it's like the these people that just kind of pretend. I mean, it's almost like a Dr. Strangelove type of deal where, you right. know, well, you know, you're gonna you're gonna bring on a nuclear exchange, only a little one. And it's like, oh, okay. So right. how many American cities do you want to trade for the Donbass again? Like, right. like I, you know, is there, I mean. You know, maybe it's maybe these are younger people and like you and I who grew up during the Cold War and, you know, kind of got it beaten in our heads that, hey, if you get in a nuclear war, everybody's going to die. Yeah. And they just like never really had that experience as kids, you know, uh, much less the boomers who grew up with the Cuban Missile Crisis and saw it damn near, you know, play out and kill them. Right. Um, you know, like these people just have a totally different mindset about nuclear war with Russia. Um, yeah. yeah. I, you know, and that's a level of hubris that really can't be allowed to take hold because, you know, that's how you kill your whole country. Um, you know, and everything about this entire, you know, Ukraine war and the way that it's been portrayed by the intelligence community and the Biden regime and the legacy media, um, where it's just, it's almost like a jingoistic type of deal. And it's, it's always, it's like strange, like you don't even like our country and you want to plunge us into war on behalf of Ukraine against right. the largest nuclear stockpile in the world. Right. Like what part of this is any good? Like, I, you know, like where, and then anybody who looks at this and says, Maybe we should go to the peace table and finish this off so we can stop killing all these people. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a puppet of Putin. Right. Right. And, right. and just all of it is like, okay, I can't, I can't fathom the level of stupidity on a geopolitical stage that right. you guys represent. I like don't get it. it. It's it's not that you like Putin. It's that you know things can always get worse where Russia's concerned, right? Um, and you know, I and you know they they shamed Ron DeSantis out of uh, the the position that he took, which is this is a territorial dispute between Russia and Ukraine, right? Which it is now. 
Um, it's a little more than that because Putin won't stop talking about how the Ukraine, you know, Ukraine is part of Russia. Right, right. And that's, but I think anybody would look at that and say, that's a, you know, like that's a stage front, right? Like right. that's that's an opening for the negotiations, which is well, I want all of Ukraine. And right. the answer is maybe you just get the Donbass, right? right. And, and Crimea, and then, you, you know, you can go away satisfied. Which is, I think, where this always is going to be. You can't govern, you know, Ukraine if you're, um, you're. I mean, he's got 140 million people, and Ukraine is like 45 or 50 million. You can't. We would all want to kill his. His. I mean, exactly. it, would be, it would just be a civil war nonstop. Well, and, if he got what he says he wants. At minimum, at minimum, it's an electoral problem. Right. right. If he's pretending to be a uh, a uh, a democratically elected leader, why would you add 45 million people who will vote against you? Right. right. Like, this, like this is a reason why, you know, it's a bad like we wouldn't want to annex Mexico. Right. Like, like, you know, like, well, whoever annexes Mexico, that party's going to get the Mexicans to vote against them. Right. 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 Not a good plan. Um, so I, you know, none of that made any sense whatsoever to me. It was just like an incredibly stupid, uh, thing that, to take that at, at face value rather than just call it what it is. Look, they want as much of Ukraine as they can get specifically. They want as much of the black sea coast as they can get. Okay. So the answer is let's help the Ukrainians out as much as we can territorially. Right. And then let's stop the war. Right. Right. And, you know, somehow th this is a fringe pro-Russia position. Right. You now the right. answer is, well, we need all the Russians out of Ukraine. It's like, okay, but where's the border? Right. Because the Russians and the Ukrainians have a different view of what that border actually is. Right. And while the Ukrainians certainly have the upper hand morally on that, the Ukrainians make some pretty weird claims, too. Um, that's not exactly, I mean, we, we've, we've made them. And of course you, you can pretty much tell the party affiliation of somebody on Twitter, whether they have a Ukraine flag or not. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, oh no, these guys are p clean and pure as the wind driven snow. And right. we know that shit's not true. Um, so I, to me, it's, I look at this and I, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's, you know, what we've been told about this coup over the weekend, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think any of that is actually true. I, I think there's this is, you know, this is deeper and deeper and deeper, and it's probably a complete rabbit hole if you really want to know <laughs> right. what right. this is all about. I mean, this is, you know, the the, the Russian, one of the, the, whatever, follow, what do they call those Russian dolls that fit inside each other? Yeah, I, I think they're called just a Russian doll, but I don't know what the anyway, term for them. This is one of those things, right? Like you have to open up a whole bunch of these dolls to find out, you know, what's really going on with this. And, and it probably, what's that? I, and you probably won't know. Peter Hitchens, no, we'll I, I saw a really great interview. He spent three years there as a reporter and he was just kind of talking about how much he really liked the Russian people and how they there's people still alive who remember the Russian Civil War. And they came to the brink of it. There was a um, coup attempt on uh, Gorbachev. And he was there when that happened. 
And he remembered, you know, all the tanks coming into Moscow, the whole bit. Yeah, this was what, 1990 or 91? 91. And uh, he was basically uh, saying, he goes, you know, civil war is terrible. The, he, and he made this really great point. He's like, and this might be why the, uh, what's happening in Ukraine and Russia is a bit of a quagmire, because these people speak language that's very close. They understand one another. Their cultures are close. It's really difficult to fight people who you share so much with, even if you're different. It'd be like us fighting the Canadians. It would, right. I, we would have a difficult time doing it, I think. And um, because there's just so much shared culture. Heck, I think we'd have trouble with Mexico. Certainly, like I'm in Texas, it would be difficult. There's just so many of us who who have family going back and forth. And that it's yeah. like that for um, the Russian and Ukrainians. Anyways, and he was saying that they got right. He was there. He drove all around Moscow, talked to different military people, was trying to get a sense of what was actually happening. And he said, still today, there's been multiple books written. He says, I don't think anybody really understands even today what really happened. I was there in the middle of it. And I can't even accurately or confidently say what was happening. He's like, you have to understand Russian culture which is um, the word safety, he said, in Russia means not harmed. So it's they don't even have a proactive word for safe in Russia because you're never right. safe in Russia. The default position exactly. is that you are unsafe. And yeah. no matter how free it seems to look, no matter, there's always some right. controlling entity. And so here in the West, you know, you know, Churchill said that Russia was a, an enigma wrapped in a whatever, wrapped in a whatever. And, all and wrapped in an enigma. Yeah. right, right. All of that. And he's absolutely right. And so like for the for the uh, people in the West, particularly in um, our in Langley and and who are running America, they really have no clue and they don't really have an understanding of history to boot. And so like. For them to be, I just am so appalled at our our leadership right now for being so kind of uh, um, like Ann Applebaum. Yay, you know, let's start a war. You know, I'm like, do you even know right. what you're saying? Like, do you know what's happening? Total willful ignorance of, right. of, you know, what you're getting into, coupled with an unbridled enthusiasm for, you know, death and mayhem. Right. I mean, on the part of people who have like made their bones as peaceniks and it's like, like, what is this? You know, I mean, like, you know, like these are the people that like the only war movies they think are any good are World War II movies. Right. Right. And oh, that was like a glorious war. And it's like, no, actually, that's the bloodiest thing that mankind has ever seen. Right. Because you think the bad guys were right-wing fascists that somehow makes world war ii this glorious war and it's like right okay you're gonna be a little disappointed to find out that the bad guys were all leftists they were different species of leftists but they were leftists they were people who believed that the government should be in control of individuals lives and choices at all times 
that everything resided within the state, which is what conservatism is there to oppose. Right. Um, and you somehow think that the Nazis were a bunch of conservatives. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I mean, this from the people who want to control your gas ovens, your cars, your, um, your pizza oven, your, I mean, every aspect of your life they want and they're, and they're, you know, looking around to find the Nazis. How about finding a mirror? Right. Um, you know, and, and yeah. I mean, it's, you know, somehow, um, you know, somehow it's like, it's a great thing if there's a coup and then there's chaos and we don't know who's in charge of the, the country that has more nukes lying around than anybody else. Um, you know, um, I, you know, 30 years ago, something like this would happen and we would be like, okay, we got to send the 101st Airborne in to go secure the Russians' nukes. You yeah. think there's anybody whatsoever in, I mean, like they made movie after movie about that exact scenario in the, you know, in the nineties when, when they, right. you know, do you think anybody even had that serious discussion in the Biden white house over the weekend when it looked like the, you know, the guy from the Wagner Wagner group is going to run up there with 25,000 troops and tanks, you know, and he's yeah. shooting helicopters down. I mean, like that was never the, even, you know, contemplated. The, the problem is, is what the discussion was in the Biden white house was hunter and his dad getting their story straights with their attorney he yeah. hired by the way he hired uh, a criminal defense attorney over the weekend i don't know if you I noticed know. that biden did and um and his rotten son and guess where they got money from china ukraine and russia yeah <laughs> and so they're winning on both sides and they have uh an interest in um both sides I, yeah. uh, I was just in, so like, that's what we're dealing with an absolute, I, I want to say something about Biden here, because I don't know if you saw Anna Navarro waxing elephant about how Biden this is a story about a father, father and a son. son. It's like, okay, you're officially a bimbo and you can shut up. She, is what she, the thing is, is she is a nasty nasty human being and a sure. political operative masquerading as a talk show person. And so Biden is not a good guy. I wrote two articles about this before the election and about how knowing that his son was a drug addict and uh, had all of these problems was putting him in positions, um, compromising his own son for his own bottom line. Yeah. And putting him in situations that were drug fueled, hook or whatever, to you know uh, please their foreign masters and get the money that they need needed. You know, um, a bunch of rich guys going to strip clubs and having a good time. Uh, this is part and parcel of whining and dining the money people from ar around the world who right. the Bidens were trying to grift. And Biden was using his son, who had a clear problem, to do all of this for him. Yeah. And so he is just not, like he'd been using his brother for that same purpose. Exactly. Right. He's not a good guy. He was right. never a good guy. He's used the death of his son. He's lied about the death of his son. He's lied about the death of his wife. 
Thank you. He's he is a bad person. He will yeah. say anything. And, well, and he's I mean, and he's a freaking serial creeper and pedo too. I mean, well, like yeah. you know, no. I like on every single level, this guy is morally bankrupt and corrupt to the core. Right. Uh, and the fact that the legacy media and the Democrat apparatus, uh, you know, like kind of, oh, let's portray this guy as, you know, good old Joe. Right. And that should tell you a lot. And of course, we already learned all this from the Clintons, right. um, you know, where, where it comes to the moral bankruptcy of this whole thing. I mean, like we've already known that these guys were the worst of the worst. Was it you oh. who said that um, the difference between the Bidens and the Clintons is that um, the Bidens let their witnesses live? I mean, uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I had, I though. Was, that was I pretty think it was good. Dave I, Catrone. I think it was Dave Catrone, because I read that and I laughed out loud that the only difference between them is that, and the reason why Biden's in trouble is because they let their witnesses live. But I, I'm just like, you know... Um, it's just a terrible thing. And it, I I can understand, like, I can see the corruption and what uh, people hate Trump so much. They'll literally take a corrupt pedof pedophile. They're so blinded with hate that they, yeah. that a um, psychopath as president uh, makes them happy just to, for spite, I guess, and because they don't love the country enough to make a better choice. I mean, these were uh, the same people that wanted to believe all the, you know, BS about Barack Obama when it was obvious that he was a sinister individual as well. Well, and the thing is, is that like it, it strikes me as typical Democrat that all the projection on Trump is actually true about them. Oh, for and sure. So, but the people who I I understand that politicians are corrupt. Like I'm not even surprised by Biden. He's just a bad guy. Clinton's a bad guy. What makes me insane is normal people pretending he's good like yeah. like I, I i voted for trump okay but i never once sat there and went this man's a paragon of virtue i never lied to myself and said that this is a guy who doesn't sleep around with um you know high-end hookers or something i mean he probably does and ha and has maybe not anymore but he certainly did and you know he was a billionaire whatever uh playboy like um Stark yeah. said in the Marvel movie, you know, uh, philanthropist, playboy, inventor, philanthropist, playboy, you know, builder of buildings. OK, so that's Trump. So, you right. know, and I've always argued that people chose him because the D.C. is such a corrupt, you know, uh, place that they wanted somebody who understood it and spoke the language and also was kind of as bad to fight it. Fire with yeah. fire. Yeah. So uh, no, I didn't. I, I think that I think that I mean that's that's not an opinion. That's an actual fact. Right. And it's you know and, and like evangelical Christians were the ones that were the most likely to voice that right because it's right. just like this is so ungodly at this point that we need an ungodly man who's, who's willing to to do God do the righteous thing. thing right you yeah. know like uh, and and Christians have understand a long history. Samson wasn't righteous and he brought God's judgment. You know, like you can go through right. history. There were, if you know your Bible, which nobody in the media does, but if you do, there's the tools that God used were very often not great people. 
who yeah, sure. made big mistakes, but we're doing God's will. And that's yeah. all there is to it. And so Christians know that. So they sit there and they go, well, you know, God worked with Nebuchadnezzar and he was psycho and, you know, ate grass for seven years. So, you know, <laughs> you never know what God's plans are. Um, so, you know, that's how people looked at Trump. Frankly, that's how I looked at him. I was like, well, I don't know what kind of crazy he is, but I do know what kind of crazy Hillary Clinton is. And so I'm willing to take a risk here. And I was pleasantly surprised by Trump and the left and the guys like McConnell were pleasantly, not pleasantly surprised. They were appalled. And because all of a sudden they thought they could kind of control Trump, which is just this pure folly and um, got a little nervous when the bull turned their horns towards them. And uh, anyway, so all that to bring up, we have uh, this terrible situation and I can't think, so we have this kind of weakness that Biden has, which has kind of created the entryway for, there's no question in my mind, Putin went, you know, you know what? Nobody's going to do anything. I'm just going to come in and take this part of Ukraine. And, oh, and you you begat Ukraine Ukraine with Afghanistan, right? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's like that. There's, I mean, you can't. That's not even an, an arguable um, uh, position anymore. That's one hundred percent true. Everybody knows it. Well, um, I think everybody does know it. Like it's amazing to me talking to people who are like this whole, you know a Russia-Ukraine thing kind of just fell out of the sky. And that's because Putin's a bad person. And you know it's true, though, Scott. Like, well, I mean, okay. But I, I, I think the people who don't think there's a connection between pulling out of Afghanistan the way we did mm-hmm. and Putin going into the Ukraine, like, th- those are not people, they don't know it. They just don't want to admit it. They know it. You can't deny it. It's known. All right. Now, you know, a lot of these guys are magical thinkers and they're um, they're willing to delude themselves, you know, um, endlessly. But deep down, everybody knows that Afghanistan begat Ukraine. Everybody knows it. And everybody also knows that at some point Ukraine is going to beget Taiwan. Yeah. Like that. Those are things that I think are, are, I don't want to say inevitable because that's probably too defeatist, but, you know, China has a window in Taiwan and they're going to take advantage of it. Um, you know, and that's, that's that. Well, but, Blinken um, last week was over in China making nice nice after he got anally probed uh, by their security. And, um, and then like, I think literally, and then uh, the really awkward pictures of Chairman Xi, where it obviously looked like Blinken was kissing his ass. And, um, you know, the promises, you know, uh, Taiwan probably after all that was like, oh, no. And um, I read something where America gets all our bullets and most of our munitions from China now. And so, like, um, we couldn't even wage war against China because we get our bullets from them and so it's just like well and apparently china can't make enough for us to supply ukraine right how screwed up is that right and china's also manufacturing arms and sending them 
certainly um, drones and stuff to Russia. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, like that, that is literally the way you do it is that you supply both sides of the war and you make your right. money off of that. like that. That's we used to do that. We do we do got that. Very Black good Rock, at it. BlackRock owns is partial owners of the companies in China that are funding uh, that are sending bullets to Russia. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just this once again, the military industrial complex. Oh, Speaking well, of yeah, and you rock. wonder why we don't want to do, uh, you know, get these two sides to the peace table and stop the war. Like, right. you wonder why that's the case. Money, money, And it's money. like, well, you know, what? like, what props up our economy if it's not, you know, funding both sides of this war? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so speaking of BlackRock and these big investors, right? I just read something that's horrifying, and I'm going to share it with you. Uh, folks who are listening, because I think it's important. So I didn't know this, but there are lawsuits against uh, on nearly every, and there's only about four or five, Procter & Gamble, um, the company, the L'Oreal family in France. There's a, a couple different companies that own um, every every uh, like shampoo shampoo line. If you go to the grocery store or if you go to like Target or whatever, you don't go to Target anymore. But when you buy a bunch a of different brands from a very small number of companies. Yeah, like four companies, all of them heavily owned by big investment houses, you know, uh, own all of those stocks. Do you know that they have ingredients in them that cause baldness? <laughs> that they're all being sued <laughs> because they ca <laughs> cause baldness. And I was like, what? now, so I bring this up because my son, as most of you know, has had two bone marrow transplants and all the chemo and radiation that go with it and lost his hair. And while we were in the hospital, they make a big deal about keeping your head clean. Like, you know, like after your hair all falls out, make sure you don't, you don't want a dirty head, make sure that you still shampoo and clean your hair. Well, so or your bald head. So he went into the shower, did his normal thing and came out and his head with no hair on it. Suddenly he had, he did, he went in not having dandruff. He came out with having dandruff. I was like, what the hell? And because, on a bald head? On a bald head. Mm -hmm. okay. And so I was like, That's weird. It. don't use shampoo or conditioner anymore on your head. All I did from that point on was use this like um, purified um, uh, organic couple oils that um, were like all natural, neutral scent. There was nothing in it. And I was anything pure like that I was trying to do because um, he obviously needed to have few, as few chemicals as possible. He had so many already in his body. Sure. And so I kept his head oiled up and do you know that his head stayed clean and beautiful. And now like he has, he's never started using shampoo again. He's like, this is a total scam. And, um, and I, cause I asked him cause he's a lifeguard. So he's constantly out in the sun now and, you know, sweating and everything. I was like, have you started using shampoo again? He's like, no, my head feels better when I don't. <laughs> so for all you people out there listening, <laughs> 
I have heard about this, you know, the, the, this shampoo problem. So I'm like, I'm like furiously going through all of the ingredients of my shampoo. And I'm like, what should I stop using shampoo too? I don't know. Anyway, but um, it's a scam. <laughs> it's like, is there anything yeah. that's not a scam? I don't know. Well, like, it's you just, I mean, it's, you know, you go through this stuff and over and over and over again, what you come across is like anything that's any economic sector that's dominated by, you know, mega, you know, multinational corporations, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's probably the, the sector itself is on the decline mm -hmm. um, and the quality of its products um, is also on the decline. You know, my guess is in, you know, the 60s and 70s, you probably got mm -hmm. a better product out of your shampoo than you get now. Probably. Right? Yeah. You know, somebody came up with a million different pretty irresponsible chemical compounds that they were going to add to the freaking shampoo, where it used to be more or less soap. Right, right, right. You know? Um, and the thing you know, is, it's funny. Meanwhile, you got all these, you got plenty of people that just like, I don't use shampoo. I just wash my hair with the same body wash and soap that I do with like everything else. And then it comes out fine. Right. Oh yeah, no, you got to use shampoo. And it's like, and how much money do you make from that advice? Right. Right. So, That's you know, and it's just, just my PSA for today. I, I read last night, I read about this, these lawsuits and then I looked into it and I was like, Holy crap, <laughs> everything. And then, and then, you know, um, and this is not a plug, we're not being paid for this, but Dr. Squatch, you know, has those funny ads about soap and it's natural, all like yeah. four ingredient soap, basically. Yeah. And there's, so, um, you know, I, I sound like I'm a granola, which I kind of am being crunchy and stuff about all of this, but my goodness, you know, uh, maybe, you know, the, what's the guy who's the conspiracy guy, um, who has the little like Alex Jones or something? Yeah, Alex Jones, you know, the 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 chemicals making the frogs gay and everything, which actually is true. Um, but he uh, well, it's totally true. It's, it's in the totally water supply. True. Yeah. So like all of these things are adding up. And it's like is every single conspiracy gonna end up being true? I think that we're there, you know, like well, you know, the old meme is is the kid the you know, this conspiracy theorists aren't crazy, they're just six months ahead of you. <laughs> right. Um right. well, I mean, I and the thing of it is is that and I'm not gonna uh I'm not gonna make sort of a declarative statement here, but you find all of this different stuff right you find all of because you know we used to do a lot of product liability in this country like we used to really make a big deal about that and like all of the news stations at six o'clock would freaking come they lead their newscast with you know all your toaster recalls. is the silent killer of your in your kitchen or whatever right, right. like and i mean it was you know they had the whole country paranoid about like every product that they bought and that all sort of went away and i think it all sort of went away when um the local news stations started getting bought up by big media conglomerates mm. and so you know and i think the way this works is like they started selling advertising nationally mm -hmm. more so than locally 
because it was, you know, a, you know, we have a media group that's like 19 TV stations in 14 markets or whatever. Right. And so we're selling national ads. We're not selling the local car dealership um, right. anymore. And so, you know, you uh, who are you selling ads to? Well, we're selling them to Pharma and we're selling them to Johnson and Johnson and we're selling, you know, this kind of stuff. And they didn't want to see that kind of crap leading the six o'clock news. Right. So instead you get murders, right. um, you know, and so now everybody's paranoid about, you know, crime, which is probably a little bit more, uh, um, you know, closer reality than the toaster being the killer in your, in your kitchen. But what's not being done is any kind of an investigative journalism at all anymore on product liability issues. And so between vaccines, right. and of course, you're a nut if, you, if, you, if you're critical of vaccines until COVID comes along and everybody looks at that and goes, oh my God. And all of a sudden, Rob, you know, RFK Jr. is like relevant, right. uh, whereas he never really was. And if you listen to a lot of the stuff he says about other vaccines, it's, it's out there. But he happened to be spot on with the COVID vaccine which is the one thing that everybody kind of paid attention to well, because I you mean, had to take that or else you would lose your job. Um, he's not you know. wrong about some things though. So for example, when we were kids, we got 11 or 12 vaccines yeah. with boosters. Now children. That, no, that part, that part, I think he's, he's right about, which is they've gone totally over the top on how many vaccines that they give kids and the right. vaccine load that these kids are, are getting I mean, nobody knows what effect that has on kids. No, you know, because no. First off, double blind studies can't be done on children. Not Correct. like because the, the and they're not even done on women. They're all the vaccine studies are done on men because their their um, systems are simpler than women. And right. so, once they're released into children and women the they're the human experiments then and the other thing is is that we have vaccines now for childhood illnesses who that never killed anybody for example yeah um which we never ever 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 should have had well i don't know you know the thing i, I you know you can't really make a statement one way or the other because um we don't know but like chicken but it is an ex ongoing experiment you know our generation all got chicken pox and we have right. immunity to it Right. And um, now the kids get vaccines. Is that making them more susceptible or less susceptible to um, shingles and stuff as they age? You know, we're finding out. Like, does it, does the, um, and do we really need that when no one died of chicken pox anyway? You know, the worst she came out of it was maybe a scar uh, in a, in some place that you didn't want to have a, you know, small scar or something. That was worst case scenario. And so, like all of these things, um, and not that it didn't suck to get chicken pox, but so what? Well, the thing, what's the cause? What's the purpose? Is there a purpose between, you know, uh, I had a doctor um, uh, growing up whose theory was that the various, like, common cold, flu, that sort of thing, were immune boosters. They helped you through life so that you say weren't uh, your immune system what kept kind of it was strengthening it so that, uh, yeah. you know, you didn't get cancer um, because your immune right. system was strong yeah. enough to handle force workout for your immune system. Right, yeah. right. 
And so, like, I don't know if that's true or not, but that was. No, I think that. I mean, I think it's. I think it's very viable. Yeah, I mean, it's at least a, a theory worth testing, and and then there's other vaccines like the Hep B vaccine, which which he which RFK talked about, which is given on day two of a child's birth, which protects you against um, IV drugs. And um, uh, basically, the other way that you get it is um, uh, homosexual sex, or if you're a prostitute. But again, it's because of you're having sex in various ways, creative ways. And so why is a baby on day two of their life given this vaccine? Why? I, you know, um, there. I think, so some of these questions are worth asking, but because vaccines are such a, um, uh, you know, kind of a shibboleth amongst the medical community where you, it, it, it's viewed with almost reverence as being such a great success, specifically because of the polio vaccine, sure. um, that you can't have any kind of honest conversation about it because there's a religious zeal around it. Well, COVID blew all of that apart. Yeah, and so now all the people who've had vaccine side effects for this or that thing, or have concerns um, about the viral load. And it does seem to be like, for example, my thing, I, um, and I'm talking about this, not that it's anybody's business, you know, how you conduct your healthcare, but I'm talking about this because I think it's, relevant. One of my friends who's a lib was completely shocked. I went into anaphylactic shock with the MMR vaccine as a baby. And um, so my parents after that, and I was fully vaccinated, um, but our bodies and my family are some weird. My daughter has an autoimmune issue. Then my son got aplastic anemia twice, which is just bizarre. Once is bizarre enough. Twice is like being struck by lightning 10 times. You know, it's just so rare. And so there's something in our, you know, systems. My aunt had an immune disorder, different things. Um, so something is in my genetics that they don't know. Well, you know, vaccines affect different people different ways. And um, there doesn't seem to be any accounting for that. You know, there's, they're deciding that the risks that people to people like in my family are worth the rewards to the majority of the people in society. And, and so like the um, exceptions are not worth talking about, except the problem is, is that the exceptions um, are not so exceptional anymore. They're becoming more the rule. You know, when you have autism increasing like it has, and parents are saying this, and I've met them because I do have an autistic son who said they had uh, this one woman, I'll never forget her. She had triplets and all three of her boys had autism. I can't even imagine. And they were all developing normally until they got their first set of vaccines. And so, you know, she has like before and after video, the whole bit. And to deny someone's experience like that is just um cruel well, it, i mean it you know it, the, the, the the effect on credibility to make that denial is i think pretty severe well and so like i do think some of these questions are worth asking but 
a lot in the medical field and certainly in the pharmacology don't want to ask it. So, and, and okay, and this leads me to another thing that kind of this kind of corporate, uh, corporatism, which is not capitalism, that's everywhere. And um, so you wrote that really interesting article, like it's time to get rid of pride. Um, and we are, I, I, have you noticed that idea popping up everywhere since you've written that piece? I have. And um, oh, you mean like the, the, the pushback? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are. I've seen, I like, yeah, I wrote. I don't think it has anything to do with what I wrote. I think it's just people are sick and tired of this on their own. But mm -hmm. yeah, there, there. I mean, I, there's been a whole lot of this. Like, hey, let's push back against these guys because we don't want it. There was, in fact, and not to take over the discussion. So I know you had some more to say, but there's a, there was a great piece. I want to say it was at the Federalist. And I think it was Joy Pullman that wrote it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically saying this, this pride flag, this is the flag of an occupation, right? Mm. Like, like this thing, like this is, this is the occupying movement that is, is, you know, subverting our culture. And that's the flag of it. That's a flag of an occupier, which I thought was absolutely spot on, right? Because these people, I mean, they were going to try to replace you know, Judeo-Christianity or Christianity, whatever, however you want to put it, with the woke religion, right? They want to they want to supplant the values of the founding of America with the kind of, you know, LGBTQ intersectional, you know, critical theory values, of which there are none, by the way. Right. Um, you know, and I mean, and transform society in ways that you know they haven't even really thought through and all it is is just hey we're going to destroy what you have and then we'll figure it out from there um which is pretty much what an occupying power does when it takes over a place right i mean you know i mean the the the, the doctrine of occupation and and counterinsurgency is you know, you react to what the indigenous population does because you can't go in there with an iron fist. You have to figure out what you can make work. That's, an, I mean, that's straight doc, doctrine. And, you know, yeah, so culturally, this is a, a war of occupation that these guys are waging on us and the pride flag is their flag. I thought that was like really, really spot on and a great way to look at all of this stuff because honestly, look around and it checks out as an explanation for why things kind of play out as they play out when you start dealing with the woke. Well, the thing is, is that the, to connect to the point that I was making is that this occupying force is be, being funded by corp, uh, American corporations. Like the, the all, uh, it's a very flimsy, um, astroturf type of thing is how I feel. Yes. You've got yeah. the, it, it, you have these like pride events that give cover for the perverts who would normally, you know, have to keep their, um, uh, creepiness on the down low, but they right. can let their freak flag fly. And the people who, you know, um, the Dave Rubens of the world and, uh, the, the guy Benson's or, you know, the Rick Grinnell's or whatever, who are just like, I want to have a family and I want, I don't, you know, you know, I want legal protection. 
which is why the American people were like, okay, um, you know, we'll go along with this, even if we might not disagree, even if we disagree um, for our various, you know, religious reasons or whatever, we'll tolerate this in the name of, you know, equal rights for people who are just trying to live their lives. Well, now we've got, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. And being yelled in Toronto and New York and San Francisco and naked people dancing and and swimming in public uh, fountains in New York and naked guys coming up to children in San Francisco and um, which was always which was happening before, by the way, but now people are actually paying attention because this ideology, this you know, I mean, there was an actual, there were actually these gay guys who had the pride flag and had Satan across the front. There's t-shirts being made with Baphomet on the t-shirt and, you know, the pride symbols. And it's just like, whoa, you know, like this is not what anybody signed up for. Now for people like me, this is what I, where I said it was going. Like, this is the obvious place. Um, I thought that we'd have more polyamory, um, but I, you know what I think effectively killed that is the, um, that Utah family who had the TV show, Uh, I forget the name of it. Have you watched any of it? Oh, you mean the bigamists? Yeah. The guy who has like three or four wives and has like 20 something kids. Sister wife show or whatever. Sister wife. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that show, I never watched it, but yeah. I've watched lots of episodes of it because I found it so fascinating. It will cure your desire to have more than one wife. I will just tell you that. Like any man who sits there and fantasizes, oh, I think I, I, that sounds like a great idea. Oh my goodness, is so much trouble, which is obvious. You know, it's like just how, a, how much drama can you freaking get in your life? Right. How much do you the want? Thing. A complete mess. Anyway, so that whole idea has kind of died down as something like, hey, I think that's a great idea. However, what has come, what I thought would come after that, but actually is uh, is this whole um, pedophilia thing and being Well, I mean, we're starting to find out that that's what this was all about to begin with. Right. Um, And if you really crawl down that rabbit hole, which is not something that I would recommend as a um, as a measure of protection of your sanity right. uh, is all of the um, founding sort of doctrine of the modern left, whether it's uh, uh, Foucault or some of the, the, the people in the, you know, Jacques Derrida and some of this other postmodernist mm-hmm. thought, plus the you know the critical theory people, you are you will find that it is shot through with you know pedophilia, and I think some of it is just you know we're trying to break down Western society at at you know at all costs, and right. one of the things they hold dear is how they raise their kids, so let's fix that right. right. I think it's some of that. And I think the other thing is, is that a lot of these, they realize the more broken people you have, mm-hmm. um, the harder it is for them to govern themselves. 
Right. And it makes for, you know, like we can, we can, you break down society by breaking down the people in it. And then what, you know, you can, I mean, it's Ming the Merciless, right? They're, mm -hmm. you know, satisfied with less. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really think that that's what this is. And it's, it's the most pernicious, awful stuff you can imagine. Right. Um, and it's the reason why you can never get these guys to, uh, to give you an answer for, okay, where, what's the limit of all of this cultural right, experimentation right, right. you guys want to do? I mean, you know, like, okay, Larry, we did the no-fault divorce thing, and, you know, yeah, well, that's, a, you know, that's something that, you know, we want to maximize individual freedom, and, like, okay, I can buy that. Has it been good for society? Not so much, mm -hmm. and it's been really bad for parenting of kids. Well, Hey, look at that. We're going to break down the experience of a child. So now you get the massive heartache of your folks breaking up when you're six. Right. Um, you know, and so that's going to make you a somewhat broken person. And we're going to like, but, you know, hey, what, you know, the parents are more important and mom and dad being happy and healthy, you know. Okay, fine. Well, we'll go to that. All right. Well, now we're going to do you know, we're going to do birth control. And that certainly makes sense because we don't want unwanted kids going around. It's like, you're making every kid in America unwanted because of what you're doing with divorce and all these other things. But, well, hey, you want to do that? That's fine. All right. Well, you know, so now that we've broken the family down and the purpose of marriage is no longer really to have kids, it's just to have some have a roommate for a while until y'all split up. And if we're going to do it that way, then we might as well have gay marriage because, hey, these gay couples will be just as stable as the straight couples, which is to say not very stable at all. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really fight that. I was like, okay, well, if we're going to do that. Then that makes sense too. Mm -hmm. All right. So now you got that. And, you know, and the next thing you know, it's drag queen story hour. Right. And everybody goes, wait, how did we get to that? And it's like, well, what's your problem, bigot? It's like, well, the problem is it's a bunch of five-year-old kids looking at a guy in a scanty drag outfit. Like that's not really what we ever consented to in the first place and it's well, like and, oh, and the broken parents right. the broken parents are taking their kids to these things because i promise you whole healthy people do not take their children no, to of course not. their babies to a drag no. time story out you know, and, and, and you've you caused so much chaos in people's families life family life that now you give the Munchausen moms uh, a, yeah. an outlet, which is, no, you should trans your kid. Right. Oh, okay. And every moron leftist out there is now thinking about whether they should trans their kid. And anybody who goes, please don't do that. They go, oh, you're a bigot. And it's like, right. no, no, no. Two out of five of them will commit suicide or at least try. Right. It's a really bad idea. This right. has objectively bad results. Don't do it. And they're like, well, you can't do that. Anyway, the point is, all along the way, anybody who objects to this is a bigot or a prude, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I actually, you know, and have scientific data behind me. I actually know this is a less productive lifestyle that's going to make people less happy at the end of the day, and they shouldn't engage in. Yeah. Well, you can't be judgmental about mm -hmm. folks. It's like, well, yeah, but you're going to expect me to pay for all of this crap down the road. Not to mention the fact that whether I have to pay for it out of pocket or not, I'm going to pay for it in having a shitty society to live in. And we're at the point now where everybody understands that our society is in, in decline. 
Everybody is, okay? Um, there's a little bit of disagreement as to who's responsible because people on the left will actually say that this is the churchy people's fault. Right. You don't really have a very good argument for that, but they'll say, they'll say it. And of course, that's a projection thing, which they always do. But everybody understands that we're a less stable society, okay? I, I saw this, and this is maybe a little off the beaten track, but I don't really think so. There's a, there's a video, and we'll put, it, we'll put the link underneath this. Um, there's a video. This guy basically did man-on-the-street interviews in, um, how do you say it? Is it Brickle or Brickell? The, the street in Miami that has all the clubs that everybody goes to. I don't know. I, I don't know how it's I think it's Brickle. Anyway, he's like on the corner of Brickle in some of the streets, you know, clubs everywhere. And he's doing man on the street interviews. And he's just like, you know, hey, what's going on in the dating scene here in Miami? This kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the people that he gets that are that are talking to him, and it's like a 20-minute deal. And he's got, I don't know, five or six people he's talking to. You're, you're just like your jaws on the ground. Like there's this woman and, you know, she's, she's like, I mean, I, I just don't want to be judged and guys will judge me or whatever. And like, he's saying, well, this is about your body count. She's like, yeah. Says, well, you know, like what is, well, you know, like I like a guy who's, you know, experienced, like I don't really right. mind or whatever, you know, because I am too. And he's like, well, so, you know, how many? And she says, oh, 15. He says, well, how old are you? She's I'm 21. And she's like, and I, I really don't think it's fair that anybody would judge me like that. But, you know, some guys do. And it's like, oh, my God, you have 15 freaking partners. You're 21 years old. And she's yeah. like, I mean, you can't even tell people that because they'll slut shame you. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Because you're a slut. Yeah. Like, like, it's oh, and, and actually she not. actually says this, Melissa. She goes, I mean, what's so bad about being a slut anyway? And I'm like, of course you would say that. Well, right? the thing is, but the thing is, is it's worse than that because you know, at least prostitutes get paid. These girls are, have been told by feminism that this is a, a, a that the, first off, that this is how men act. But the, but the thing is, a good man doesn't act this way. So what really. they're really saying is that for a woman to be liberated, she has to w act like the most psychopathic guy in well, order to, to be a um, okay, liberated but... woman. Melissa, it gets worse. He asks this other girl and she, you know, and the question he asks is like, um, like, how long will a guy make you wait for sex? And how long will you make a guy wait for sex? And of course, he asks this question three or four of them. And they're like, oh, guy will make me wait three seconds. Um, but then, you know, well, how long would you make a guy wait for sex? This girl says, well, it depends if I like him or not. Because if I like him, I'll make him wait. And it's like, wait, if you don't like him, that means he goes to town on you immediately? And that was the answer. Like, yeah, I'll just roll in the hay with this guy, but I don't really like him. So I'll just have like, fun with him and then boot him. Oh, like, you know, and so, the, the, you know, this guy is yeah. just doing this as deadpan as he can, but you can tell he's like, you know, <laughs> breaking my heart having this conversation with these people. And then the worst one is this woman who's 49, I think she said. But she wouldn't say 40. She said 49, and then she corrects it. She says, I'm 45, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she looked okay for 49, but she starts talking, and you're like, oh. And she's like, yeah, I just left my husband, and I'm here with my friend. She's 22. And, of course, the 22-year-old looked older than she is. Um, 
and like she's doing so i hadn't really got started yet but i'm really looking forward to you know playing the scene and blah 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 blah. next thing you know she's got her eight-year-old daughter and it's like a friday night at 10 o'clock in the place where the clubs are and it's like oh and the daughter is like it's helpless this girl is so cute she's um imitating her mom the entire time she's doing this interview because mm-hmm. you can tell the daughter's like i'm not having this like you just mm-hmm. freaking right. left my dad and you're dragging me out on you know clubbing or whatever on the street out here and like she had no interest in it and so she's just totally disrespecting her mom and of course the comments under this video is like good for that kid <laughs> you know like right like your mom is gonna ruin your life so at least freaking ruin her interview you know (laughs) right um and it's just like so but the whole and then like the title of the video is just like this is how bad it actually is Mm -hmm. and it is um but you know that's like a slice of this is the society you get when you break down all of the values and the and the, Mm -hmm. the customs that um produce the prosperity and the virtue that you had right Right. i mean you know as late as the early 90s we were a pretty cool place and we had a lot of happy people in this country right and we don't seem to have that much of it i I mean that's not a that's an overgeneralized statement there's plenty of of happy functional folks in america don't get me wrong but along the margins it's much worse than it was 25 30 years ago and people know it. I mean, that's the thing. People notice how bad things have gotten. Um, well, you know, one thing, one thing you don't, happy. one thing you don't mention is, which I think is a big part of this, which is why I keep coming back to feminism, is that women are working outside the home now. Now, oh, and yeah. so, and what is it? Sixty uh, percent of children, depending on whether you're black or Hispanic or white, um, don't, you know, their mothers are working and they're in a single parent home. And so like, who do you have actually? So yeah, who's raising these children? And, and one of the things that I keep seeing and hearing in these uh, videos of the people, the transgender kids is their loneliness. And so they're seeking community online and their moms are too tired to listen to them. Now, I'm, I'm not putting it all on moms. I mean, the causes of divorce are myriad. The big, the big reasons are, um, you know, um, addiction, uh, abuse, adultery. Okay, those are the big three. And, and very, uh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, and. Um, well, addiction, you know, like gambling too, or different financial issues. I don't produce the financial issues, no question about it. So yeah. Right. So like, but those things happen. So then the woman um, divorces her husband, and she might even be the cause of some of these things. Um, And then has, because, uh, you know, higher, richer couples don't get divorced. Like the further up the chain you go, but in the blue collar and the middle class, um, divorce is approaching, you know, staggering levels. And so these children are alone and they're lonely and uh-huh. they feel taken advantage of by the legal system. 
because there's nothing worse than family law. I don't care. You know, yeah. uh, for every guy sitting in doing life in prison um, for a crime he didn't commit, and that's a rare thing to happen, there's a thousand children who've been worked over by the family law system easily. Yep. And that I'm probably right. understating it. And so and there's children, zero political movement to try to fix that, which is really oh, no. kind of peculiar. Well, because the because the people affected have no say. Children right. are voiceless. And um, so the, the and especially the custody arrangements now, um, one of the, you know, the main custody arrangement now is every other week, one week with dad, one week with mom. Well, the problem with that is the child, it right. never has a root, never has That's a right. place, never, they're That's constantly right. in the middle of unpacking or repacking and never really has a, a way of feeling secure. So you have all these right. children who are kind of emotionally isolated. And if their dad or mom gets remarried, which a lot of them do, then they're not in a position to really complain because dad's happy now. And who's, who? you know, this di divorce was all about our parents' happiness. And, and who are, of course, we want our parents happy. We can't sit there and say, so they're voiceless even in their own home. And, yeah. you know, while the parent is trying to keep this new spouse happy um, because they don't want to go through that divorce again, their children cannot be the, the get, receiving the kind of attention they need. It's impossible. Well, can, and, and, and so you throw another wrench into this, which is that something like 62% of second marriages also fail. Right. And so, so you you went through all of this, right. and at the end of the day, that goes to hell in a handbasket too. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then it, I think it's over seventy percent on third marriages. Yeah. So like, it's a spiral that just gets worse and worse. And as a kid, we have zero agency to fix any of this stuff. Right. right. You know, I mean, it's just like, well, I hate to tell you, but your childhood's going to be awful. So you now have to figure out a way to reverse that as a young adult. And oh, by the way, when you manifest any of these problems as a kid, right, uh, if you act out, if you're distracted at school because your life is a freaking mess or whatever, well, we're just going to put you on drugs. Right. Like, that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll introduce chemical dependency to you at a young age to deal with the emotional damage that we as a society have inflicted on you by telling your folks it was okay to put you last. Right. And the child, by the way, when they're put on that medication, now believes that they're the problem and that the solution is external to them. So the yep. message that the child is given is that you're helpless to make your own life better, that this right. problem is happening to you. It's a chemical imbalance inside your body that you cannot control and that something external to you will make better. And we right. wonder why we have goose ste stepping kids in college. And we have Antifa, we have, and all of these kids want is they're craving security because they never had it. So instead yeah. of a generation going out, taking risks to make the new business, to innovate, to do whatever the young people do, to climb a mountain, right. to do all the crazy stuff. No, all they're seeking is safety and community. All Antifa is, is a bunch of transgender gang members looking for family because they didn't have security when they were growing up. And so like- I think a lot, I think a lot of it, yeah. 
the active ingredient at least is that's exactly what it is. It, it's, it's, it's filled it's with insecure narcissists because yeah, they've been they did not and have given all the wrong messages their whole right, life. Right. Right. And so like we're seeing this spread and like wondering why this is happening. Well, we don't have to wonder. We need to be looking within. And my problem is, is on the conservative side of the spectrum is we have uh, become not the same level of depraved, but we think we're somehow better because we're not as depraved. And that is still causing problems. Divorce is still rampant. Right. There's still problems with this. And you have still have the problem where children are just seeking attention anywhere. I made a joke years ago when Chaz Bono came out as transgender. And I was like, how do you get more attention um, if your mom is share? If your mom is share, how do you get attention? Well, I mean, transgender will do it. It's pretty shocking, or it was then. Right. So you have all these kids culturally trying to up the ante. So somebody will pay attention to them and put them first. Right. And well, but it's but it's worse than that. Look at Megan Fox's three little boys that she dresses up as girls. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, statistically, it is impossible to have three trans kids. Right. Well, or that's impossible. That's that's you know that's intelligent design is what that is, right? Like <laughs> for, you, for you to have three trans kids, you trans them, right? right. And you right. know so. But the point is, is it's like we've like we've now degraded society to such like people we're supposed to look up to culturally. And if you look up to Megan Fox culturally, you're a freaking moron. OK, like, like, I mean, I get that. But she's still put out there as somebody that people should, you know, at least take note of. And she's got three boys that she dresses as girls and the kids don't even want it. Yeah, They do it because their mom makes them um yeah well i don't know why DCFS would roll up in there and get those kids and that would be the end of it well so i my my point is is that a lot of the you know biden and his family are exhibit a biden uh cheated on his wife she was married or his wife died had um relations with a woman who was married she leaves her husband who's still heartbroken by the way um lies all the way throughout doesn't pay attention to his kids and if he does it's weird attention and so like his daughter thinks she's been sexually abused by her dad and and then you have these kids who are two i think all of them have had drug problems except for the son who died um right. Of cancer. Well, and we don't know that he did or he didn't. No, we, just, we don't know we, that. We weren't told about it if it happened. Right. right. And so we, you know, the remaining children are all damaged mess messes. And this is oh, wait. And then there's the grandkid they won't even acknowledge. Right. Well, so that exactly. damage continues generally, generationally. Yep. So, like, you know. And and we have to admit that because society is so degraded and because people throughout the community are afraid of say, saying anything because of their own sin, you know, someone like Biden is OK. And and yeah. that's OK. Well, um, and then, you know, and I, I don't take this as a slam on Trump or whatever, but like on the right, we look at Trump and we say, Okay, we can take this guy and we'll, you know, we'll make that our guy. 
right? right? Because uh, we look at the Clintons and we look at the Obamas and we look at the Bidens and apparently there's no standard. You can, they have, you know, Trump can be, you know, whatever Trump is and we're not even going to look at it. And I'm not saying that that's a reason why we shouldn't have Trump as the nominee or any of that stuff. I'm just saying that's that's where we are, right? Which is, you know, whereas 20 years ago, we would say, he's not a good man. I don't want somebody who's not a good man as the leader of our deal. Nobody said that Reagan had been divorced, but nobody said that Reagan wasn't a good man. Everybody understood that he had, as a guy had personal integrity um, and mm -hmm. principle and believed in his stuff and had lived a pretty exemplary life. Mm -hmm. had done, you know, things that almost everybody could look at and say, okay, this was, you know, this is good stuff. And they thought that about the Bushes too, although I think a lot of that was, you know, people didn't really know what was going on with the Bushes. But they at least presented as a respectable group of folks. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those things. You know, everybody thought that John McCain was an upstanding guy. Everybody mm -hmm. thought that Mitt Romney was an upstanding guy. And it was like, our people are better people than their people. And that means something to us. And now on the right, it's like, you know what? We're done with that because this is a war and we got to win it. Well, the other th but the thing is, and I will say, arguing against myself in all of this, is that we thought, you know, a good person doesn't lie you into war. A good person, exactly. you know, exactly. you uh, got McCain betrayed no by the people thing. you thought were good. And right. so now you don't care so much about that. But, right. you know, along the way, it's just down, 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 is, down. Is, the, yep. is, is where I think where we're both getting at mm -hmm. um, is, you know, we're trying to analyze like how it got to this point. And it's it's, you know, it's a lack of consequences for bad behavior, a lack of reward for good behavior. Yeah. Um, and a sort of, you know, it's it's a constant retreat of this cultural and moral standards that that we try to hold. And. You know, and at this point, I mean, we're hanging on by a thread mm -hmm. um, while the cities are collapsing and while our society is, you know, I mean, we're overrun with fentanyl. And I mean, you know, it's I mean, it's it's to the point where interpersonal relationships are impossible. And then then you add this thing, um, which is, you know, uh, changes human behavior in ways that nobody's ever experimented with and we have no idea where this is going to end and people are all realizing that that's no good either mm -hmm. uh, you know well and i don't know i don't know where you you know you plant your feet on rock bottom and then you start jumping back up like i don't know where <laughs> that happens i think it i think that it's this, we're this going to start season. finding out soon because right. we're getting to the point where none of this can sustain well, I think I'm a little bit optimistic because this pride season did seem to like on the heels of what's been going on in schools, on the heels of the FBI investigating parents for being like outraged at some of this stuff on and and moms being back home. Um, you know, work, part of the worker participation rate being lower than it was pre-COVID is moms are just staying at home right. and which is a good trend in my opinion and now they're paying attention to this pride stuff and everybody's going oh wait this is not what we wanted and voted for right. and so i don't know if we're just digging our heels in as the you know like the bobsled has gotten out of control and we're trying to put a break on something that it's impossible at this point there's too much momentum to the bottom i don't know or right. if if or we're it's gonna... the frog in the pot, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
or if we put the brakes on for a little bit and then there's some legal finding that says that pedophilia is fine just like you know uh the supreme court found um gay marriage in the constitution somewhere and right. um you know we'll finally be like well children are people too you know and that's what all this you know the law in uh um california I don't know what it is with guys with the last name Wiener, but uh, there's definitely a problem. But Scott Wiener in California, who's passing this, um, you know, legislation to help uh, cover up pedophilia, basically, and then the law that you can't, you, you have to affirm your child in your own home. You mean Uncle Sam's going to tell me what I can and cannot uh, call my gonna, children? Are you serious? Uh, you're going to have you're going to have very few kids to live in California. Right. Well, then it'll. Yeah. And the ones I mean, you just people with people are going to have kids and, and get them the hell out of California. Well, they should. I mean, uh, and they will. I mean, that that's you're going to see that happen. Um, so yeah. it's just kind of a bizarre thing. I, you know, I don't know what what's going to happen, you know, culturally with all of this. But. Um, well, I, there I'll are say signs this. of hope. Yeah, no, I, I do think you're right. I think that on balance, the uh, this and they, they've been more aggressive with the pride crap this June than they've done in any previous year. But the pushback is exponentially greater, mm -hmm. um, so much so that, you know, the human rights campaign and GLAD and some of these other groups are, are now actually trying to shoot their own troops in the back, right? Like they're screaming at corporate America for, you know, um, like for example, Starbucks did the pride thing for like 10 days. And then they were like, oh, no, that's it. We're not doing this this whole month because it's a disaster. It's no good. It's pissing off everybody else and we don't want to do it, do it anymore. And they're shooting at Starbucks now, right? Which is delicious to watch, right? It's like, because that's going to be big time diminishing returns because all of these corporate marketing people who are probably on board with the glads and the hrcs of the world anyway but don't want to lose their jobs see that the stock is soft see that earnings are soft and look at this and say you know the one thing we're going to try is we're going to tone down the pride stuff next year and we're going to see if we can get away with that so that this issue goes away because mm -hmm. they know they can't sell product if they do it. They see Bud Light and they see Target and they see, you know, the the mess that they made in Major League Baseball trying to celebrate this stuff. Um, and they, they see the NHL, which turned around and said, okay, we learned our lesson. We're not doing any of this pride shit ever again, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, you know, which was obvious because the least gay people in the world are hockey fans. Right. Um, you know, but I mean... You know, nobody ever accused them of being smart, but they at least figured it out. Um, and, you know, and you can see it over and over and over again with with all of these woke companies that have taken a hit because they're woke. I mean, I mean, it's Disney a pattern. Lost, you have to if you're paid that kind of money, you have to recognize it. Disney has lost eight hundred ninety million and it's Absolutely. continuing to produce woke drivel. Now, yeah. I, I and the two know. big summer blockbusters they did this year. Bombs. Bombs. Big so, bombs. So, like, I don't know if they're going, you know, what's going to happen with all of this. Like, I, I don't know where this is going. But the corporatists who are who are supporting all of this Pride Bowl crap 
And you have to understand that part of the reason why all of this is happening, we've talked about this before, all these Ivy educated people who are in the top of all of these corporations, because that's who they're hiring as their big executives. Um, by the way, uh, I just saw before I came on here that the two executives at uh, Budweiser have quietly been fired or something for yeah. the campaign. But yeah, why? Got... I mean, they just sponsored the Toronto Pride you know, parade, Bud Light did. And I was just like, you know, you guys aren't learning your lesson. Everybody's like, okay, you know, we're just going to stop. So, I mean, the, the, well, I mean, you know, it's, 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 well, let's make a scapegoat, right? Mm -hmm. That's for the, that was for the stockholders. That's not, that's not right. significant of a, of a change in the company's direction. They're just like, you make a scapegoat and then right. the stockholders are fine and the stock covers and, you know, BlackRock is happy because they were able to get their money back out after mm -hmm. they backstopped the stock in the first place mm -hmm. and probably made some money. Now, you know, stock recovers a little. I mean, like, you know, it, that, that's all an inside play. It's not, you know, an outward facing thing. I mean, they did the folds of honor thing for, um, I don't know, it was like, I think it's a major league baseball campaign that Budweiser's sponsoring folds of honor. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, that's nice. It doesn't fix your problems, but it's nice that you're at least going to do something like that. Um, but yeah, you know, sponsor the Gay Pride Parade and everybody sees it again. And if you notice, like Bud Light sales are now down 28%. Right. So it's worse than it was before. Right. Um, so like, in other words, it's not working. Like it's right. not working. And they're going to ultimately rebrand Bud Light as something else. Yeah. It'll be, you know, Bud Fun or something like that. Um, uh, maybe they will rebrand it. They will make it. They will rename that brand ultimately because they just it simply won't be sellable as it is. And so, what you're drinking as Bud Light will be something else. It will be the same beer, same recipe, but it'll be something else that right. will have a you know a bottle that looks different or a can that looks different. But you know they'll make it so that it's like because they've trashed it that badly, and you're going to see the same thing on a bunch of these, you know, woke brands that have, that have gone down the tubes, you know, and what it means is, is that the public um, may not have figured out how to fight this stuff off. And it may not have figured out how to uh, push back very effectively against the power of the corporatist narrative and, and, um, and, and kind of cabal that runs things, but at least, people are recognizing the problem and voicing opposition to it, which you can't get anywhere until you get that. So that's at least a starting point, which is good. Um, and I think, you know, as we get in, you know, we're doing, this is the last show we're going to do in June. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing that this was not a successful in, you know, however you want to term it, it's not a successful pride month. Um, but, you know, the other side hadn't freaking figured anything out. I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was yesterday, uh, this video pops and it's, you know, Richard Levine, who goes by Rachel, yeah. mm -hmm. who is the uh, what number two at Health and Human Services and says, well, it's not Pride Month anymore. It's Pride season. And then this idiot is running around talking about how important it is to go mm -hmm. and trans kids. And it's a fat guy in a dress. Right. Um, and, and I mean, the, the reaction I saw on Twitter to this guy, uh, it was 
it was as this was as as negative as anything I've ever seen in my life. And it was what you know what, what struck me is when this guy got the job, it was a massive middle finger to the American people that hey, right. we're gonna like we're this not only not only is this guy a nut, right? Not only is it a man in a dress who doesn't pass and the whole thing is just an absolute joke, like it's somebody who was manifestly terrible at his previous job. Like he right. killed thousands of people in Pennsylvania by putting COVID mm -hmm. patients in nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Same as Cuomo did. This guy was right. just the, 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 the had an analog in Pennsylvania. And so they, they fails up and he gets this job at DHHS. And you knew that that was a middle finger to traditional America. Like that's what it was intended to be. Right. Right. But what you didn't think was that you'd really see much of it. Right. Because that's a ministerial position and it's not kind of a right. forward facing job. And now they're putting him out there, which is aggressive. You know what I mean? Like that's it's yeah. a, really like we know you didn't like this guy. Like we know you did. We know that there was a ton of opposition when he got the job. Right. Now we're going to put him out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we're gonna show him to you again and again. And it's it's a force him down your throat type of thing. That, you know, I, maybe my assumptions are outdated. I think that the reaction to this, I already saw it on Twitter, but the reaction to this is like gonna be bad, like really bad. And if I was running Republican campaigns, I'm gonna put this guy all over the TV and say, this is what they want to do to you. They were, if you give, if you let these people win this election in 2024, there will be hundreds of these people running the government. Right. Uh, and I because I of, guarantee you, you will wipe out the Democrats with those ads. So all I uh, can think of with this guy is that he went to prep school in the same grade as Mark Milley. They, those guys, so th it's all just one big insider. So let's go find the teacher that sexually abused those kids. <laughs> Both of them, because neither one seemed right. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, you're probably right. I don't know. I think they both played football, too. Well, maybe it's a football coach that sexually abused them. Yeah, I don't know, but something ain't right. All I know is that the it, it, it's just a typical insider's BS. And this is this has all the fingerprints of Obama. Biden's an of idiot. Course it does. Absolutely. But Obama is a master provocateur. And that's what he did. Constantly stirring the pot. He's a yep. Marxist. He's yeah. a communist. He's a Leninist. Yeah. And Commun community organizer slash agitator, learned in school, did it all yep. his life. And yep. that was the style of politics that 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 he brought to the table all the way up the line. Yeah, and no, that's what no we're seeing it. now. There's no, I just get this feeling between the corporations underlying this whole pride mo movement and this kind of, it all feels uh, like a way to disin, uh, discourage the American people that there's no hope, that no the one thinks you're like looking you, for is no demoralization. One, demoralization, right. So all the way back to Yuri Bezmenov and the right. whole demoralization yeah. is that is the, that's what's at play here, and you know. And so, how do you remoralize? Is the big, the big you, issue. Of course, remoralize is an amazing freaking word when you think about it, because yeah. it, I mean, it, it covers a number of different levels, right? Like, I mean, in right. other words, to remoral the country as well as 
you know, remoralize the country to make people feel good about themselves. Like that's the project, right? And that, I mean, that's like really hard and I don't have any ideas on like, here's a five step plan to make that work. But I mean, well, I think that's the, the challenge, right? At the minimum you have, first off, you have to, the rule of law has to become a thing again. Yeah. People, the, people have to be equal under the law. That's a foundation. Yeah. So if, I think that's right. you know, Biden's kid gets off for a gun charge and the black rapper gets three years, which just happened, you know, the, right. his attorney brought it up and was just like, my guy is going to prison for three years for the exact thing. Yeah. You're time. talking about Kodak Black. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have these, so you have to restore some trust in the legal system. And that yeah. means that there has to be a reckoning uh, across yeah. the whole system. And then there, then you have to encourage moral things. So like in public policy, um, you have to reinforce good things. If you do this, you get a good thing happening for you. And, um, and, and start making public policy family friendly and yeah. Well, you can look at a lot of what Orban has done in Romania and, and some of the, or Hungary right. rather, some of those places. And, um, and, and you know, because they've been experimenting with those things, really trying to just get, have people, make people get married and have kids make, get, get, because get they need to reverse a demographic de decline in a small country like that. But, you know, they've made themselves the guinea pigs. So, I, you know, obviously, and a lot of conservatives have run over there and, and taken a look at the stuff that they've done. Um, and like, we should pay a lot of attention to that because I think some of that stuff is going to play big into things that we're going to need to do as a society to try to reverse the decline in our own, in our own. Well, um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like the, the, I thinking about what it was a little controversial, but it would be, you know, Bush talking about the public private par partnerships between, you know, working with various churches to, help do social services and certain things like that. I think that in education, um, utterly going back local with the curriculum and just stop, the Department of Education needs to be destroyed. We have a good article for those of you who are watching in our last print edition. If you're not a subscriber, I highly recommend it. But um, we have Betsy DeVos wrote a wonderful piece about her struggles at the Department of Education yep. and how it was her goal to get rid of it because education should be local, should be flexible, yep. and should not be in the hands of the teachers' unions. It should be in the hands of the parents. Yep. And um, so, like, there's certain things that are, if they took root, like, you know, school choice and these other things that there will start to be kind of a reinforcement. Uh, but but the real problem is in the hearts of the individual Americans. Stop cheating on your wife, go right. back to church, start taking care of your kids, make it a priority to live smaller so that somebody can be at home with the children. Make Start making choices that align with your values. And be willing to live with less if that means that you're going to gain more for your family. And if you realize all of that, you like the first thing that you're going to have to do to make people interested in doing that, you're going to have to get rid of every single woman's magazine and freaking woman's website in the <laughs> freaking world. Because, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm on this kick a little bit because over the weekend, 
um, like it's another rabbit hole that I got freaking chased down. Somebody sent me a, a, a it was a, some article in Mary Claire. I don't even remember what it was, but I you know click on the link and then I'm like looking at the headlines of all of the other stuff on that site, and that's a pretty mainstream you know like young woman's magazine, right. and I'm just like and everything in there is. I mean, it's like a it's like a primer for whores, basically. Like you know, like yeah. don't have any interest in any of these guys unless they can buy you things. It's all like you know, it's, it's like the most materialistic, no zero values. Right. It was. I mean, basically every piece in there is about how to use sex to get money. <laughs> and I'm just right. like, oh, I mean, I'm even the fashion stuff, <laughs> even the fashion stuff was tinted toward that. Right. Or tilted toward that. Right. Um, and it, you know, and I mean, this has been a problem in Vogue forever. Like that's like Cosmopolitan you know, the, was the worst. Would yeah, have Cosmo is like that. I mean, like you have all of these things, and it's you know, and it's and it's it's a feminist mindset, but then it's ultra materialistic to boot, and it's all about how to get money out of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like this isn't remarkable that- anymore. Right. Well, the problem is that, ladies, if for all of you young women watching, if any of you are, is that men aren't going to college anymore. You're likely going to have to marry down. Marrying up is going to leave you single because the the pool of people that you want is so increasingly small. They're not. They're like not going to marry at all. Mm-hmm. And a lot and of them will be more than happy to be some guy's side piece who's like a high value guy and super successful and whatever. And like he can have, he's not going to get married because why should he? Right? I mean, mm-hmm. the guy, that guy gets the milk for free or not necessarily for free, but he can mm-hmm. certainly afford it. So why buy the cow? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the society that you're building mm-hmm. based on your pop culture. Right. And, and we've talked about this before, but I, I should mention it again, because remember, and then we we had this whole discussion about this when it first came out that, um, and I guess it was right after the Dobbs decision, that all these corporations who were now like, oh, well, we'll fly our female employees to California or whatever, and we'll mm-hmm. subsidize the abortion, right? Right. And you know, Tucker Carlson went off on this and like you and I, I think both did too. And it was all about like, look how soulless these freaking companies are. Right. Like they would rather kill babies than have women that have families. Right. Right. Like they, no, they want you in that secretarial job, right. That they can control you. Mm-hmm. Right. And they can underpay you, overwork you, promise you, you know, fulfillment that you're going to move up when you, they know that you're not because there's right. five of you for this next job. Right. right. Um, and I mean, you know, we're going to use you up and then you're going to be 45 and you're going to be like kind of, you know, at your terminal velocity corporate wise and your life is basically going to be as least as you know, it, it's going to be over. Right. And what happens to you at that point? You're too old to like start up a family. You probably had two or three abortions that your company has paid for, right? And you find you're not that desirable to guys because you're older and whatever. And like, where is your fulfillment going to come the second half of your life? That you've invested the first half of your life into XYZ Corporation, right? And the thing of it is, is that part of the reason these guys are woke 
is because they are contributing to the very society that wokeness requires because they think that there's money at the back end of this, right? right? This is how we get cheap employees. Pump these women through college. We'll stick them in an office. The guys are going to be harder negotiators on salary and things like that, right? And guys tend to be a little bit more entrepreneurial. Anyways, take this job and shove it, and I'm going to go start my own business. These right. women who, especially since they're acculturated into sort of a subservient type mentality with the woke indoctrination in the colleges. Would you say the word is submissive? Sure, if you yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this is the crazy thing is they're talking about, I would never, you know, submit to a man. Well, you're submitting to a man. Who's in the corporate, who's in the corner office? Right. That's not a man. Oh, it's a woman. Well, who's her boss? Right. Right. You're submitting to a man. Right. You know, you think it's because he's like that guy's got money and he's going to pay you more because you moved up. And if you're, you know, if you, if you do what he tells you, you're going to. And it's like, why is that better than having a husband who might listen to you? Because your boss doesn't. Your boss doesn't give a shit about you. I mean, that's I think the there's. Point. I do think so. We we're seeing like in the in the kind of conservative religious world, we're seeing this kind of um, a desire to go trad. You know, uh, yeah. young people reverting to kind of these uber traditional values, right. actively seeking this. It's interesting. I have kids who are in this. You, know, you see these like these girls run around in like the little house on the prairie dresses and stuff right. like. They're, like they're taking it seriously. They're taking it seriously, and um, but because they're seeing what the, they're, I, I mean, it's almost kind of like a caricature. I, I but I hesitate to say that because underneath it is real, true sincerity. Yeah. And I've yeah, noticed. But, well, it's, it looks like a caricature because they they're they're like they're experimenting with it. Like it's right. not something that they came from, right? They're not right. really carrying on a tradition. They're kind of picking up something that was dead and trying to revive it, maybe. Right, right. So it looks a little like like well, you're not doing like they're it playing right, out. but at least you're doing it. You know, right? They're trying, and the thing is, is yeah. that but the goal is, is that what they're trying to get after that good thing is you know they are going to church together they are trying to have a family they are trying right. to do all of these things and i give them credit because you're right yeah. a lot of them haven't had role models they they have seen that this you know whatever uh prescription for success isn't really nobody's happy I, and it, the interesting thing is like the you know the dating apps and all of that uh, the younger people despise it. And the other thing is, is that they also very well, it's much. Not, it's not just practice. the younger people. Oh, no, no. It's everybody, everybody despises it. Yeah, everybody, everybody does. does. Yeah. And so looking for kind of solutions to this problem and seeking it um, in very old fashioned ways. But the old fashioned ways also have the old fashioned kind of successes that come from it. It's a different expectation for your life and for what you want. And I would suggest that it is um, a better solution than what's being put forward by the left and feminists right now. The problem is, is it's too few. You've got a whole couple generations of brainwashed women who are frankly unpaid whores. 
in their behavior and ha have no value for themselves and wonder why no one values them. They, yeah. they cannot put together what they've been sold and how they feel and they, and they can't make it make sense. And it's yeah. just the saddest thing, but I well, do think there's yeah. it, the, the people who believe differently, who are going trad are going to are outbreeding them. And so eventually this, this is going to make oh, that, it different. I mean, that is, that is, that is ultimately that's how this, this works. And the, and I guess the going trad crowd, I mean, they will exponentially outnumber the other side at some point. The question is, it's like, you know, how big a, um, I don't even want to say the word fad, but like how big a, a movement can that get? And yeah. it may very well, it, it might turn into something. I mean, you know, I don't know if you saw Jesus Revolution when it came out. I did. Really, really good movie. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, you know, this, it, it it's kind of about this is, you know, it, it talks about sort of the Jesus movement in the early 70s, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, like you had the same sort of, although I would probably argue not as bad, but you had the same sort of societal breakdown in the late 60s with the hippies and all this other kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, people really kind of did think that the country was going to hell in a handbasket at that point. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you had the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was hippies that had been searching for meaning and didn't find it in, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll or whatever. And they kind of, I mean, they turned to, to Christianity and religion. And I mean, it became this massive, massive thing. And the movie's all about that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it was a real thing. And in the 70s, you had a religious revival in the country um, that was youth centered. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and so I like I wouldn't be surprised in the least if you started to have that in America uh, now, if for no other reason than that's rebellious. Right, right. Right. I mean, woke atheistic culture is I mean, dominant, that is the, dominant the standard now that is the authoritarian uh, position out there. So somebody that goes trad or you know, uh, professes their Christianity or, you know, does those kinds of things. And of course, Christianity has as part of its, its um, core allure, I guess, um, the profession of truth, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, and that's kind of sexy for folks like, hey, I know what I'm saying is true. I can prove it, you know, not just based on the Bible, but based on just objective reality. I mean, Christianity is a religion that relies on a dependence on objective reality. And well, actually- all, all the Abrahamic religions do. Like, uh, you know, yeah. th there's a really popular Muslim Imam, Sheikh. Uh, he's American, I think. And my son is just, the videos are hilarious. So like, for example, a guy calls in during Ramadan and says, you know, um, I accidentally had a gallon of water and some shawarma uh, during Ramadan. You know, is that okay? And he, and the imam says, well, it's okay if you want to go to hell. <laughs> so, but like, he's really, really funny. And um, there's been, there's this kind of, um, and we've been seeing this, like what happened in Massachusetts and Michigan, where the Christians and the Muslims are getting together and going, no, 
This is right. not what's happening. Yeah, the and Armenians in uh, in L.A. Armenians right. in L.A. Just, I mean, those guys were slugging it out on the streets. Orthodox Jews nice. during COVID in New York. You, we're seeing like conservative um, religious folks kind of band together and just say no. And it's making somewhat strange bedfellows, but not really when you think about it, because these are all no, people who value family and uh, tradition and core values. Well, and I mean, you know, because at the end of the day, and I'm not even, I, I, I don't even know if the word conservative is a good word. Yeah, I think because it's, it's really, yeah. it's the center and the right who are on the same side of this, right? I mean, you know, 10 years ago, if I had told you, hey, you know, Joe Rogan's one of us, you know, like, shut up, that's stupid. Right. But it's true, right? Mm -hmm. Um I mean, Elon Musk is another reason. That's right. that's guy's not one of us, and you well, know, and we shouldn't. Of, they're kind of just you know old fashioned liberals who who thought that everybody on the left believed in free speech. They right. they they had kind of the ideas of that capitalism's better than communism. You know, yeah. kind of basic core liberal ideas. Well, and and, but the left the, moved. The delineation here is it's people who believe in true things versus people who believe in things they'd like to make true. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah, because this is the thing, the thing about conservatives, and this is also true of sort of your old line liberals as well, mm -hmm. is um, the things you believe someone had to prove to you before you believe them. Right. Like you know, you're, you're believing in this because you know that it works like you've seen it work. Whereas, you know, the hard left in this country who's the active ingredient on the other side, like they believe in things that they pretty much know won't be true. Like, for example, take your your Antifa people and you're like anarcho communists and these guys. Like right. they believe you have to break society down to nothing because then you can build the communist utopia. Right. And it's like, well, what evidence do you have that that's going to work? And they have none. And they admit that they have none. But they're well, but I'm not happy with current society. So I, I think it's worth the risk. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, OK. What evidence do you have that you're going to get to run this utopia once you build it? Right. Because the chances are you're going to be lined up in front of a ditch and someone's going to shoot you in the head and drop you into it. Oh, no, that wouldn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, OK. Right. Because you're the guy holding the gun, you think. Right. Like, right. anyway, the point well, is. Uh, yeah, I think the thing is, is that what is the contrast to that? The contrast to that is a normal family eating a pizza that's been fired in a wood stove and then going home and warming it up on their gas stove and driving in their normal car, not their rich people car. You know, the, the people are having to make decisions and it's based on those things. Like when um, uh, one of my kids has friends who were somewhat agnostic, uh, kind of, you know, nothing burger because their church kind of fell apart and their parents started stopped going to church. And so they had, they were vaguely Christian. And, but what is, what calls them is what is ca what calls most people, which is I see a normal family or I see normal people who seem to be happy, even though the world's kind of going crazy. I want that. What are they doing to, to have a happy life? Well, you know, it might be boring, but the happy people are going to church, getting married, having kids,
driving their gas powered car, cooking on their uh, Doing gas things grill. That everybody knows works. Eating a pizza and yeah. enjoying it and not sitting there twiddling their thumbs uh, about whether or not the the smoke from the gas the you know the wood fired grill is killing the planet because it isn't first off but second off it's just absurd and makes you look like a crazy person right you know and and so like do i want to be that messed up naked guy who's you know uh swinging his dongle in front of a four-year-old is that really who i want to be associated with is this is this really something to aspire to all these people professing satan and acting insane and clearly not right in the head. Oh, well, you know, you know that the whole Satan thing is that all that is is to try to piss off right the Christians who they think are somehow oppressing them. Like that—that's all right. that is. That's not a profession right. of your own values. That's a—that's a rejection of somebody else's. Right. And most of that movement is all about rejecting the things that people who believe in the truth embrace. Right. Right. It's rejecting the truth. And it's like, okay, well, what, you know, I, what's your truth? And they, like, when, when you get them talking about that, it's a short conversation because they ain't got much to offer, right. right? Like, I mean, it's really, really not a good conversation at all. Um, and so this is part of the problem that, like, the, that the other side has, and they've been really good at getting the control of institutions they're not very good at making those institutions work oh oh that, that reminds me two things just popped in my head as you're talking so the mayor of new york what's his face eric um, adams eric adams made this big proclamation about changing education because they've had such problems with education in new york and basically the new innovation is phonics they're going back to phonics instead of whole word learning, which did not work, obviously, and made a bunch of um, brain dead kids because none of them could read. So there's that. And the other thing that I thought of that we didn't get to talk about, but we're almost out of time, but I want to mention is um, that Patriot Front group where um, that got oh, the into video it. You're talking about yeah. where everybody's running up and taking their masks off. Yes. And they clearly look like feds. Their masks are taken off and and then they're all hiding their faces. And I was laughing because I was like, none of those guys can ever do undercover work again because everybody will know them. Right. Your career is right. Yeah, and, so, and then Kinziger said, um, you know, assaulting a federal officer is a crime or whatever. And I was like, well, oh, oh wait. wait. You just said they were feds. Well, Maybe if they're you're not feds, as smart as you think you are, Kinziger. Well, then I was just like, yeah, then I think some um, I think some uh, prosecutions should fly from this. Go ahead and out yourself. Sure. And the Absolutely. discovery will be delicious. Let's find out who these, you know, masked uh, patriots are anyway. But I kind of I think the jinx. Well, but the other interesting takeaway from that piece was yeah. that um, some of them were clearly feds. Yeah. Some of the other ones were clearly Antifa. Yes. So you had a little bit of a witch's brew going on with the Patriot Front crowd in Portland, Oregon City, which was that you got feds and Antifa joining up to try to, I mean, this whole Patriot Front thing, all that is, is it's just a, it's a, uh, like, it's a fake it till you make it thing. 
trying to push this gaslighting thing of of white supremacy is the biggest or white supremacism right. is the biggest terrorist threat and then like so they're actually putting an organization together and it's and it's larping antifa people and feds to right. try to fill this up and that's why they're all masked right. and i mean nobody believes this every right. like the, the political class on the left is trying to tout this and turn it into a thing. But everybody else is looking at it and going... All the never Trumpers, it's particularly for the never... It's like oh, yeah. perfectly for the never Trumpers who are like, see what Trump is doing? And everybody's like, these are clearly feds. The right. other thing is that you mentioned that as far as Antifa, Antifa, strangely, members, also slash FBI members, it looks like, were involved with the Fed surrection on you know the sixth of yes. January, and and the th and we're starting to see some of these characters pop up in strange places, and now we have this Patriot Front group. This one kid who I think was properly identified came out, stripped all of his social media off offline, and then came out with this Instagram video which was not very convincing, by the way. And I was like, yeah, this guy can't ever go undercover again. Um, but, and he was gonna, you know, I was thinking of like, like Kent, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Iron Giant, but yes. the, the kids and I joke constantly, Kent Mansley with the government, you know, and the kid finally goes, Kent Mansley, yes, you work for the government. <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, that—that's who this kid reminded me for, uh, because in his bio uh, and his uh, frat, he was like, uh, his ultimate goal was to work for the government. <laughs> so right. I, I think he—I right. think he reached his goal. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, well, you know, they, not that it went well, but yeah, you got there. <laughs> he got there. Woohoo! Well, well, and you know, and I, but the thing of it is, is that. <sighs> Between this and the Hunter Biden stuff, and we really, I mean, we talked a little about that in this podcast. I think next week, you know, we'll do more um, because probably we'll have a lot more revelations. It does seem like the media is beginning to all of a sudden take interest in this. I think they've decided that Biden. All of a sudden, they've been variant. told to take interest in this because they got to get rid of Biden because they Correct. know to lose. Um, so. But between that and the obvious um abuse of the system that that represents mm -hmm. um and then you have these kind of patriot front things where it's like mm -hmm. you know now you're trying to manufacture crime rather right. than prosecute the crime that's actually out there and then you wonder why you've lost all of the confidence of the american people here um I, you know like that to me is it's both dangerous and it's and it's a kind of a cool opportunity is when you know people have lost faith in the judicial system which is not good um but it's also it, it also means that you have an opportunity to really get in and reform this if you can find enough politicians who are willing and and who are you know like recognize a legitimate opportunity politically that they can monetize yeah um you know, I, like, I think it's good. Like we talked, I guess, two weeks ago um, about DeSantis's thing that DeSantis said, they're like, hey, I'm going to completely redo DOJ. Right. You know, like right now, I'm not going to say DeSantis is the nominee at all. But I do think that that idea can take root and whoever the nominee is like, that's going to be part of their mandate if mm -hmm. they can 
run against the Democrats and win, which is, hey, I'm going to totally revamp the OJ. If I'm Donald Trump, I've got to have something like that as part of my platform, and I've got to act on it because he can't have those people. If he yeah. goes back in his president, he can't have that DOJ after what he already knows that they did to him before and what they did to him when he announced that he was running for president. Right. I mean, he has to, like, it's them or him. He can't let the swamp swallow him up again. Right. So, you know, I, like, there's a good opportunity, I think, to completely revamp that situation and maybe devolve a bunch of that power to the states where you can regulate it better as a citizen. Um, well, if and you want to live true with of a bunch of different government agencies. Right. Me. I was going to say, if you want to live in lawlessness, you can always move to San Francisco and New York and Philadelphia and Baltimore and Chicago. If you if the, if you want to live in a place where you're relatively safe, where crime is not permitted and whatever, choose wisely. You know, this is the this is where we're at and people are people are moving with their feet obviously which is why gavin newsom is on his you know worldwide tour trying instead of in his own state because he doesn't want to be there because everything is terrible um you know so okay we have gone way over and i want to thank you all for listening again to our our ramblings we were all over the road but uh i do think that there are i can't believe i'm saying this we need to mark this moment. I think there are signs of hope. Um, okay, when Melissa sees it, guys, it's happening. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't want. I don't want to commit too heavily, but I do see. I do see signs of hope. Okay. When, when you have people having a pizza protest in New York, when, when you know there are times when the government just goes too damn far, and people right. are like, no. Yeah. And. So like the, when that, the boiling frog will eventually jump out of the pot. Right. Plain and simple. Yeah. Right. And that's starting to happen where people are like, this is insanity. Stop the madness. And, you know, even in New York City, the poor kids who were shut in their homes for two years and then masked and sat outside in the freezing cold to have lunch, you poor kids, your brain dead teachers unions and the mayor of New York are finally realizing that having children who can't read is a problem. And so you're going to be taught phonics and you're going to be able to read again. I, I loved it. I watched this news story in New York and this little child was so excited because he could read words by himself, you know, a little five-year-old black kid. And his mom's like, yes, he's so proud of himself because he can, well, I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, being literate is kind of a cool thing and people like it. Even little children don't like, you know, nobody likes to not know the answer, you know, knowing how to figure it out is pretty cool. And so, you know, hello phonics. Anyway, so maybe the insanity will start to turn around and and I think this Pride Month, to the point of your article, which was spot on, I think has gone too far and everybody's fed up. And I do think the kind of old school gays are like, wait a minute, the uh, new crowd is derailing everything that we've fought for. And I think we need to get off, you know, get, stop this from rolling. Yeah, that's, so, that's the next thing that's gonna be fun to watch is whether LGB, um 
splits off from TQ plus. Right. Which I think has to happen at some point because otherwise yeah. the backlash goes, goes against, you know, the people, I guess, that were there at the beginning. So yeah. um, the, the smarter ones among them have begun figuring that out. Yeah. And that so, would be, you know, that would be a great development. When you there's get there. people fighting a little battles everywhere that are starting to get momentum. And that is encouraging. And um, everywhere that we see it, it, it's it's getting promoted. And now that Twitter is not so biased in certain things being suppressed, people are actually getting to see both sides again. And that, that you know, credit to Elon Musk uh, for being, and um, to Joe Rogan, for just being places where you, somebody could, and even uh, Bill Maher is starting to, um, although he irritates me because he's part of the reason we got to where we did. Oh no, he totally is. He's completely but, gutless. And, I mean, but he's, he's at least willing to recognize yeah. the excesses of of you know his friends. Right. And yeah. that that's I you know I'll I'll take what victories I can get, and that's one. So right. yeah. Yeah. So we're starting to see it a little, the tide turning somewhat, and that's encouraging. Yeah. Um and Indeed. hopeful for the country. So on that note, I should well, on that I'm gonna more. take over real quick because okay. I've got so I've got a shout out to me, which okay. is that we're recording this on uh Tuesday the 27th. On Monday night the 26th, LSU won their seventh oh. College World Series national championship mm -hmm. uh since 1991, which was the mm -hmm. first one. Uh, LSU's won way more national titles in baseball than anybody else. Uh, and the team that they put on the field this year was, they ended up 54 and 17, which is an unbelievable record. College baseball team that plays 17 games, or 71 games rather, is uh, like, that's a grueling, grueling season. Oh, yeah. Um, two of the top three picks in the major league draft and probably the top two picks in the major league draft will be members of that LSU team. Paul Skeens, the pitcher, who's a phenomenal story in his own right, played his first two years at Air Force, but was so good that even the coaches at Air Force were like, look, you need to go be a pro baseball player because you're amazing. Um, and so he ended up going to LSU and worked with, you know, he didn't do, he said, but you know, I'd wake up at 5.30 and I would do Air Force things. And I didn't do as many baseball things. Now I'm doing baseball things. And this guy who's like his fastball was 93 or 94 miles an hour. His fastball is 101 miles an hour now. I mean, he they, he threw a game against, um, what was it? Wake Forest on Thursday, I guess it was. No, no, no. Uh, uh, against Tennessee on uh, Saturday, the first last Saturday, not this past Saturday, the Saturday before against Tennessee. And of the 118 pitches he threw, 46 of them were hundred miles an hour and over. Guys, absolutely amazing. Remember, wow. Paul Skeens is his name. Remember this guy because he will, he will be a major league hall of famer. Also Dylan Cruz who's the center fielder at LSU is going to be the top pick in the draft. Probably if, if Skeens isn't was the golden spikes award winner this year, hit over 400, phenomenal player absolutely blow you away how good this guy is and they're better people than they are players i mean I these guys were so i mean like every time they did an interview and like just how they 
you know, uh, address the community and you know, like the kind of folks that were off the charts, great kids. And it's true of the entire team. Um, they went through a gauntlet at the College World Series playing Tennessee, Wake Forest, and Florida. Eight games against five starting pitchers that will be first-round picks either this year or next year. And the three guys who aren't first-round picks are second- or third-round picks. Mm. No college team has ever run through that kind of gauntlet at the College World Series. And they went 6-2 and two and blew up Florida 18-4 to four last night. After Sunday getting beat 24 to four when they ran out of pitchers and the coach just basically dumped the dregs of his bullpen out. So look, we can't lose the college world series today. So I'm just going to eat innings with the bottom of my bullpen, save everybody else for Monday night. We're going to go win it then. And he was right. Um, Just amazing, phenomenal season. And I'm going to give those guys a big shout out. Uh, LSU's now won two of the big four. They won in women's basketball and they won in baseball. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's like 2005, 2006 with Texas was the last time a school did that. Very impressive. So shout out to LSU. Great job, guys. Okay. I'm not even going to say anything. That sounds. I'm glad you're not. That's, that sounds <laughs> wonderful. Sounds wonderful for you.